So how exactly do you become an organ donor and why is it so important for more of us to consider organ donation? Let's talk to Dr. Lyle Burdine, a transplant surgeon at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. This is UAMS Health Talk from the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. I'm Scott Webb. Dr. Burdine, thanks for joining me today. Talk about the importance of becoming an organ donor. Why is it so important for more of us to become donors? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Scott. Appreciate it. Yeah, organ donation is extremely important. I mean, for example, we have about 125,000 people on the wait list right now for the need organs. And and right now we're doing about 27,000 organ transplants a year across the country. So you, there's a big gap there. Most of it's on the kidney side and uh, we have an organ shortage. So one way to fix that is to have as many people as possible be organ donors. And the organs that are donated are really gifts uh, and they're life-saving and uh, they you know, are oftentimes the only good thing that comes out of perhaps a tragic situation. I assumed that there was a gap, but I had no idea that it was that big. Let's talk about being a living donor. What exactly does that mean, and what's the process like for people? So living donations is an extremely uh, important mechanism to increase the uh, organ pool. Um, in different parts of the world, for example, in, in Japan and uh, Korea, uh, that's really the only donation uh, method. They don't uh, participate in deceased donation. And to be a living donor, you're really a, you know, a hero. Um, and, you know, basically, you know, I think anybody that's in really good health and should uh, consider it. It's an, it's an excellent opportunity to help out a loved one or uh, even somebody you don't know. Doctor, when I think about the possibility of becoming a living donor, maybe it's just me or maybe other people go through this, but I think, well, while I'm healthy today, what if I need that thing tomorrow? What if I need that kidney somewhere down the line? Is that just me not really understanding the process? I'll say this, Scott. The, the living donor selection process is very, very rigid. Um, about one in 10 people end up qualifying. Um, so you're when you get worked up to be a living donor, they look at, is there any chance whatsoever of you needing or, or having kidney problems or liver problems down the road? And it's been studied well enough that you can, with almost certainty, say, you know, there's a less than, you know, 0.01% chance that you'll end up needing both your kidneys or you're going to have liver problems down the road if you're a donor. So my point is, is that, you know, it's, it's very stringent, uh, you know, and you, we always like people that we're, we're confident uh, can withstand, you know, living with one kidney or, or having the operation to, to be a living liver donor. Doctor, thanks so much for that information. And I may not sign up tomorrow to be a living donor, but it does help to have the information. And I think what we're really talking about here is the misconceptions about organ donation. For example, do people have to pay to be organ donors? No, in, in fact, they don't. Um, and we've been, you know, the community as a whole has been working to reduce any financial barriers that there may be to being a donor. For example, living donors having to take time off work or, you know, having to sort of, you know, travel or, or move or testing, 
there's been legislation put in place to sort of make sure that uh, they're compensated for all that. Um, and then as far as uh, deceased donation goes, there is obviously no charge and, and um, you know, it's just, it's part of the, the hospital care if somebody has elected prior to that time to being a uh, deceased donor. Doctor, I know this is a little bit outside your specialty, but marrow donation is probably a big consideration for people. Many people think about the, the organs, the kidneys, the livers, but what about marrow donation? I do know that it's very hard sometimes for people that need a bone marrow transplant to find a appropriate donor, so they need to search a wider pool of donors than you might need to for a liver or a kidney. So I think that you know, with respect to, to bone marrow donation, um, people, you know, really need to to think about it because a lot of times you're going to help, you know, maybe a kid that, that needs a stem cell transplant or, or needs a bone marrow transplant, and uh, they have a hard time uh, finding donors. At the... I think I understand that they, they need to cast a, a wider net when it comes to marrow donation or stem cells. So for recipients that are on the wait list, how do they get on the list? How long can they expect to be on the list? And, and, and really, what can they expect? Well, I think the, the patient populations I work with, primarily kidney and liver, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, the, the liver wait list is uh, really dependent upon how sick somebody is. And it seems counterintuitive, but the sicker somebody gets with waiting on a liver transplant, the higher they go on the list. And, um, you know, so it's just, you know, we try to keep patients as healthy as possible for as long as possible. But when they do start to get sick, there's a pretty good chance they're going to get a liver transplant. Uh you know, in time. Now, with with kidneys, um, the the main thing is just time on dialysis, and it varies slightly across the country. But um, you know, if you're in a common blood group such as O, you could be waiting, you know, a few years. And the one thing that recipients will notice uh, or tell me about is that. You know, after transplant, they feel like they've just gotten a huge chunk of their life back because they're not on dialysis uh, either every night doing PD dialysis or they're not on hemodialysis for four hours a day, three times a week um, with the, you know, dealing with the after effects of dialysis. So they really feel like they've kind of gotten their life back and they're, they're very, very grateful. Okay, doctor, so let's say I need a transplant. Should I go to my relatives first and should they take my call? How do you find out if a relative is a match? How can they get involved? How does that work? For recipients, it is good to ask, you know, for help and to see if anybody would be willing to be a living donor um, for, you know, you. And they need to just contact the local transplant center here at UAMS. They would, would contact our, our living donor program coordinator for, and anybody wishing to be a donor could begin the workup process. Now, a lot of people don't have that, that as an option, and that's fine. Uh, they just need to sort of get on the transplant list, do everything the, the docs tell them to do, and, and you know, try to get, try to get uh, the surgery done. That's great to know that there's a direct contact at UAMS that people can reach out to. So here's perhaps the easiest question of the day. How exactly do you sign up to be an organ donor? Probably the standard and most common way people do it is when they're 
they're getting their driver's license and they can elect to be an organ donor at that time. You know, in the United States, we have an opt-in system as opposed to some of the European co- countries where you're an organ donor unless you opt out. Um, and so when, you know, when they're getting their driver's license or registering, um, you know, they, they, you know, I would strongly, you know, encourage them to think about becoming an organ donor because it's, it's a chance to, you know, save up to eight people's lives with, uh, depending on what organs you can donate. Now, there's other ways you can go online to uh, organdonor.gov, and there's a registry there that you can get on uh, that way. Dr. Burdine, you've been a wealth of information today. I've really enjoyed this. Very helpful, very informative. Before we wrap things up, I want to give you an opportunity. Any final thoughts? Any last things you want everyone to know about organ donation? So, a couple of things. One, as we mentioned before, there's a huge organ shortage. And, you know, the only way we're going to beat that is to improve our research, so come up with better drugs, techniques, and organ preservation methods. So, you know, support the biomedical research. It's, it's oftentimes a long way, ways off and it seems kind of remote, but it's really the foundation upon which you know, organ transplantation is, is possible. And the, and the other the other thing I would just say is that, you know, in the state of Arkansas, we do a pretty good job. Um, our organ donation rate's about 60%, but um, it could always be better. And uh, so, you know, if you're, if you're enthusiastic about organ donation, and please encourage your friends and family to sign up and be an organ donor. Absolutely. Sign up indeed. Dr. Burdine, thanks again for your time today. I think to sum things up, we need more organs and those who donate are heroes. For more information on organ donation, please visit uams.edu. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and check out the full podcast library for additional topics that may interest you. This is UAMS Health Talk. Thanks for listening.